Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here at the Second Line Studio. Coming to you with our, we got a little bit of a slasher here. We got an Outback Bowl preview coming to you in the first segment, and then we're going to have our Legal Gambling Council handle the second segment to get you some picks, to get you some money uh, before uh, 2021 arrives. Um, I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, Austin Gray, our uh, legal representation, and uh, Mr. Nicholas Carr. Uh, I will say before I do introductions, uh, we are coming to you. We're a little tardy this week. Um, that is because some dumb dead bitch decided to blow up his RV uh, in downtown Nashville and AT&T internet and cell phone service was gone until uh, early this week. So uh, we were unable to podcast because I didn't want to put the fellas through the ringer with using a hotspot because that is uh, very um, it's very unpredictable. So with that, uh, we do have internet now, and uh, hello, gentlemen. What a, what an introduction that was, right? Zach, how much are you being paid by Big 5G to say that? <laughs> by Big 5G. Oh, man. You know, I, I one-upped Connor O'Malley, and I smoked 5,000 cigarettes for 5G. He only did 500. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Internet went out Christmas Day around like 1030. Uh, cell phone service went out. So, uh, luckily, did have a uh, a hotspot uh, thanks to my employer that we were able to use for uh, Netflix and whatnot, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max, whatever it is, uh, to begrudgingly watch Wonder Woman 1984. Um, but yeah, so podcasting was uh, virtually non-existent because of uh, the lack of internet. But I, I, I'm not getting compensated for uh, for, for anything from. Uh, big company 5g people. that's that's exactly what somebody getting paid would say though you know that's shit you're right um but yeah so how how is everybody's uh how is everybody's holiday Did everybody have a happy christmas i mean as good of a christmas as you can have in 2020 right yeah i mean we had a good one yeah we had a good christmas i mean this this time of year is always good there's you turn on the tv pretty much any time of day there's a bowl on there's some basketball. There's NFL on random days. You know, I like soccer personally, and the the festive fixtures, if you will, are on pretty much for like twelve days straight. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is you're, it's it's a, more ways than one. Yeah, yeah, the real football. I guess you could call what was on last night basketball, but I don't know if that that looked more like our our football. I mean, our, the defense last night was about like the defense we've seen all year. <laughs> yeah. Austin, how about you? Yeah, it was good. Santa made some questionable decisions in regards to bringing uh, outdoor toys when it was like 20 degrees outside. But other than that, you know, <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right. So let's 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 get into it. Ole Miss taking on uh, six and one Indiana, I believe. What are they? Are they ranked 11th in the country right now? I think that's right. Sounds right. Um, yeah, they're, they're a little unhappy. Uh, and look, I think for good reason, they got snubbed from an access bowl, uh, really good Hoosiers team. Uh, this is going to be a tough matchup this weekend. Uh, I'll kind of throw it to y'all before I give my kind of overarching thoughts about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's what first time in a Florida bowl since the Gator bowl in the nineties. So big deal. Uh, it's exciting, but, uh, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. 
Yeah, they're they're 24th, by the way, in Bill C's numbers. So as good as they've kind of been, you know, and I mean, really, they, you know, what they finished what six and one beating up on Wisconsin kind of there at the end. Um, as good as they've been, the the numbers really don't love them from an analytics standpoint, which is kind of surprising because, you know, they played Ohio State really, really close. I mean, and they scored on Ohio State, which kind of worries me, but I, I don't, it's hard to say because you look at, at all of Indiana's numbers. And I would say they're probably led by their defense is is a little bit better than excuse me probably led by the offense, but they don't have they don't have Michael Penix anymore. So you know what you what you would have said about them a month ago is probably different than what you'd say now. I don't know what we're going to get out of Jack Tuttle. He was decent in his game against Wisconsin, eighteen of twenty seven uh, for a one sixty. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, that's an NFL line right there. One hundred sixty yards on eighteen completions. I mean, that's. That looks about like what Tua does down in Miami. So I I don't know what we're going to get out of Indiana's offense, but I do think that they've got some playmakers. And, I mean, has anyone struggled to score against us but Vanderbilt? I know Indiana's better than us. So that that's a concern. You know, I'm just going to have to put up some points still. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to have to score. Excuse me. Um, I don't think they faced an offense as explosive as ours, save for maybe Ohio State earlier in the year. Um, but I do have some questions about how explosive our offense is going to be, given that we're down, you know, three of our top playmakers and maybe even fourth. I don't, do we know Ely's status going into the game? Have y'all heard anything? I think they're cautiously optimistic that he'll play. Okay. I wouldn't bank on it. And then I saw that Kiffin today mentioned another potential opt-out. I can't imagine that opt-out coming from the defensive side of the ball. So have to assume another guy on offense is probably going to be out for us. Um, so, you know, if they had faced us in the first game of the year, I would like our chances obviously much more than I do now. Their defense also tends to be pretty opportunistic. I think they turn the ball over at a pretty high frequency. That's somewhat disconcerting given um, sort of Matt Corral's feast or famine tendencies where he either looks like a Heisman winner or he throws four five or six interceptions. Um, so I, look, we've, we've got to take care of the ball. That's a given really in, in any game, but I think particularly in this one, because I'm sort of with Nick here, their offense early in the year, Indiana's offense um, looked pretty impressive with Penix and those receivers. And, and they've got a pretty salty running, running game as well. But after they made the switch, you know, their offense has kind of gotten bogged down a bit that has come against relatively good defenses defenses which are certainly better than our defense but I don't think Tom Allen wants to get into a track meet with us even if we are down playmakers so I think they're going to try to dictate pace run the ball a little bit um, I've got some concerns about motivation for us with uh, with Kiffin saying he was having to recruit players to play in the ball game I think Tom Allen's going to have his team sky high. They feel snubbed, as Zach said, probably rightfully so. And Allen's facing his former former program, former team. So I think they're going to be ready to play. Interestingly enough, it's our first meeting. I mean, we've been playing football a long time, and we've never mm-hmm. played Indiana. So that's kind of a, a weird stat there. But I don't know. I mean, it's really straightforward for me. Take care of the ball. Don't turn it over. That gives us a shot. Um, with our defense, though, I don't see many stops. So, um, as with most every game this year, if we have the ball last and we play a clean game, we're going to have a shot to win it. If we give them the ball, if we turn it over, it might get ugly on us. It might snowball. It's it's hard to say what 
you know, what we're going to see in any given game because of the lack of crossover conference to conference. Like traditionally, I could look at Indiana and they may not have played an SEC game, but maybe they played Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech played Florida. And I can see, okay, well, they beat the crap out of Virginia Tech and and Florida really struggled. There's a little bit of something there. There's nothing at all. I mean, there's – and not only that, but they've only got six games that you can look at, I guess. Right. Well, I guess they've got seven games. They went six and one. But so, I mean, you can take something from – you know, their Ohio State game, I'm not really sure how much you can take from games against Michigan State and Maryland and, and honestly maybe even Rutgers. Really, now that I go through their schedule, it's Penn State who didn't care early in the year and that, that really good game at the beginning. Uh, Rutgers, who was, you know, give or, you know, whatever. And then Michigan, who's who's not very good at all. So, and that's not to say that I don't think they're good because they, they won six of those games. But, you know, even if there was not a single common opponent or a common opponent's opponent, Normally, you have 12 different times that you could look at them. Well, Indiana State struggled with, you know, Utah State, or they, you know, they beat every non-conference opponent by 50. There's not that this year. There's seven options to, to look at them, and only one of them was against a pretty good team. I, you know, say what you want about Wisconsin. So it's hard. And then throw that in, I only had seven options to look at them, and then their quarterback got hurt, you know, towards the end of the year. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. I really, truly don't. I would – I would probably take the points because it's kind of inching up. Isn't it inching up towards 10, Austin? Yeah, it's climbing. Last I saw is eight and a half or nine. Mm. Yeah, so you get it eight and a half. So I'd probably take the points because you're getting over a touchdown. And I don't – I think Ole Miss might be okay running the ball. Uh, Obviously, you know, even if we don't have Ely, you've still got some pretty good running backs. And you might kind of use Corral more in the running game. I think Ole Miss will be okay. Maybe shortening the game a little bit, and I think that's what Indiana's pretty good at, especially with the backup quarterback. So that's not to say I'd take the under. I'd still probably take the over. But I do think that you might see a, a couple less possessions than normal. And so if I'm getting almost a, you know, a, a touchdown and a field goal, especially if it inches up at 10, I'd take Indiana – I mean, excuse me, I'd take Ole Miss. But there's just no – basis for any of that other than feel i mean i have no idea what we're going to do i i did watch their game against ohio state they did look pretty good but that's a whole different quarterback that's a different team yeah i was uh, i'm doing a deep dive into teams that had success against them and how they did it because indiana you know they they go as their defense goes Uh, michael Penix was was dynamic for Indiana, but he's obviously out with an ACL tear, so he's not a factor. Um, threw for sixteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, um, pretty pretty dynamic uh, weapon to have on offense. But he's not there now. With all that said, and, and you know, we're going to kind of talk out of both sides of our mouth here. But you know, the recipe for an anemic, not explosive offense is to just play the Ole Miss defense. Um, but with that said, I mean, Jack Tuttle, highly regarded guy out of California coming out of high school, was a, was a U.S. All-American. He's probably going to have a good day. Uh, he, he's not going to wow you with his legs, but he can deliver the football accurately. Um, I think that even if he is a little uh, aggressive with it and is not necessarily going to uh, go through progressions and, and be careful, I mean, Ole Miss's secondary is probably the worst unit on the field next to the front. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of a weird game to look at because if you look at their rushing stats, 
Uh, the leading rusher is Stevie Scott. He only ran for 462. Um, he did have eight touchdowns, but he only averaged 3.4 a carry. Um, the the names to know on their offense is going to be at receiver with Ty Freifogel, Wap Fillier, um, Peyton Hendershot, uh, those guys that – Dude, that's um, an all-name list, by the way. Wap Fillier, uh, Ty Freifogel, Peyton Hendershot. Great. Great names, absolutely. Yeah, um, Peyton Hendershot is a is a is a tight end on a movie. Like that is a tight these end are just, name. Right these there. are just creative player names from NCAA fifteen. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Wap Peyton Fillier. Peyton Hendershot and Wap Fillier sound like uh, bullpen arms for Vanderbilt. The, those, are, um, those are witness protection names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So they've got some explosiveness at receiver. Uh, obviously, there's going to be uh, – what's the over-under on how many times they mentioned Fry Fogel being a Mississippi native during the telecast. But, um, you know, they, they've done damage against good good ta- you know good teams, you know, talented players. They they uh, they got to Ohio State. You know, you, Nick, you already mentioned they scored a good bet on Ohio State, and Penn State's got some good players. They scored on them. Um, you know, but looking at what – Penn State, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at those two games, Penn State and Ohio State, what they did. Um, and I'm diving into the Ohio State game now, and it looks like Justin Fields did a ton of damage up the middle, up the seam, between the ashes, throwing the ball downfield. Now what's Ole Miss going to do with, you know, Elijah Moore was the guy that made his living there. He's not playing. Kenny Eboa did some damage on, you know, up the seam. Um, he's not playing. Braylon Sanders, out. Another guy did a lot of damage downfield. So somebody's going to have to step up. I don't know if it's going to be, um, you know, Casey Kelly flashed in the LSU game, had a big, long catch. I mean, is it going to be somebody like Jonathan Mingo working out of the slot against a slower linebacker? Um, are they going to utilize John Rice Plumley in the slot to create, you know, matchup nightmares with his quickness? Um but Austin, I think it was you that said it. I think Ole Miss is going to have to really dial it in with the run game. Um, now we, they're, you know, a bit of breaking news here. Lane Kiffin mentioned today that there was one other opt out. We don't know who it is. Um, so if this is outdated by the time we get this to you, apologies. But you know, I think somebody like Snoop Connor could have a big day. Um, Ole Miss is a really good, really good. Uh, rushing offense they don't get a ton of fanfare for that they led the sec this year with over 210 yards a game running the football no jerry and ely but henry Parrish, the true freshman is exceptional and is kind of that similar back that's really shifty and can uh turn the corner and and make you pay so and and austin you also mentioned getting corral involved and that's something that i noticed in the penn state game sean clifford ran for over 100 yards against indiana you know, design runs, using his legs to get outside the pocket, tucking in and running. Um, Austin alluded to it already. Corral's going to have to take care of the football. He's not going to – he has to be be smart, take what they give him because Indiana's defense thrives on creating confusion and forcing you into a mistake. Um, if, they're, if they're bringing – you know, if they're bringing three to five guys and dropping, you know, anywhere from eight to – to seven to six into coverage and there's nothing there, you gotta be smart and you gotta take what they can give you. Corral has shown the ability to do that this year. Um now he did get a little, you know, a little happy back there. Maybe, you know, his arm talent gets him into trouble sometimes where he's got to learn to reel that in because he's so confident that he can make all the throws. That's gonna be where this game is decided. We know Ole Miss's defense is going to be bad. They're not going to be able to slow anybody down. They're gonna have to take care of the football. Um 
you know, maybe we see Ole Miss not go tempo as much. Maybe they they go back to kind of how they did the the Auburn game, where they played a little played a little uh, you know ball hog, put shoe clock on, run the football, control the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, this offensive line was quietly one of the more consistent bunches in the SEC. Um, they kind of piecemealed it together. Ben Brown moved over to center and and kind of helped anchor a unit that you. Know, was able to generate the number one rushing offense in the conference. So long winded way of saying, like Nick said, there's no real way to know how this game goes. It, it, depending on where the line gets, if it gets up to, to 10, I think you can certainly look at taking the rebels to cover. Cause I do think their offense will keep them in this game. Barring this is some kind of 2014 peach bowl scenario where they just completely don't give a fuck and just lay an egg. But I think with corral as the signal caller, and being able to generate offense regardless of the game. I mean, outside of the Arkansas game and the Auburn game, uh, which was dictated by a change in, in strategy, I mean, Corral's got his every game. So it it's a, you know, how involved will Parrish and Connor be, and then who's going to step up and help at receiver? Um, those are the big questions for me. Yeah, they're not going to be as talented as LSU was, even with the, all the opt-outs they had and the injuries in the secondary. They're still not going to be as talented and as lengthy and as quick as LSU was back there. They had our receivers covered, but I do think that we kind of saw something in the second half, adjusted a little bit. I utilize Corral in the run game. I mean, man, even still, we've still got some good wide receivers. And when they're downfield, everyone's back's turned. And Corral's, Corral can get out and get you a first down. And I feel like, you know, run him a little bit more. You know, obviously don't want to get him hurt. But, you know, it, it, you do have nine months off or eight months off, whatever. So but I just was going through Indiana's uh, defensive stats. They've got a guy named Micah McFadden. 38 tackles leads the team. They don't have – that's solo tackles. They don't they don't list assists here, so I'm sure it's more than that. But he's got uh, 10 tackles for loss in those 38 tackles and, and then two interceptions. So the guy the guy wreaks havoc. I mean, he is 6'2", six, six, two, 240, uh, junior uh, from Indiana, linebacker, very, very good. So I don't know, go away from him, but, you know, he's a guy that's going get, to get in the backfield. So I'm, I'm hopeful that one of those opt-outs is not along the offensive line. Right. And, you know, I mentioned the the confusion and, and, you know, just feasting on mistakes. That's also something that can kind of bite you when I was going back and watching some film. Uh, you know, Indiana gets super aggressive. And, you know, that's kind of the the Kane Womack, you know, learning from his dad, Dave, who was the D.C. at, at Ole Miss the last time Ole Miss had a uh, not only a, a, a decent defense, but they had a top 10 defense. And, you know, it it kind of predicated what they did on being really aggressive at the line of scrimmage and, you know, creating confusion with blitzes and different fronts and, and showing different things. And I think that that's something that Ole Miss can kind of play against them and using some, you know, some play action, using some design runs, you know, Penn state used a little pop pass on the goal line, um, you know, with a zone read Clifford did a nice job of riding the fake and Indiana all crashed down for the run. So, they're, you know, Jeff Levy and them are going to, you know, they've had a couple weeks to prepare. So they're going to have some packages that they're going to throw in there. And, you know, we, we mentioned Plumlee being involved in the past game. And look, we, we're 20 minutes into this podcast and we haven't mentioned Ontario Drummond, who has kind of quietly 
become a downfield threat for this offense and has made some huge plays. So he's still out there. He's playing. Um, they're going to have to lean on him a lot with, with Sanders out and, uh, you know, Yeboah and, and Moore not playing. But, yeah, I mean, I, right now I, I definitely think that, that I, I lean Indiana to win this game. But, yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Rebels keep it close and and uh, and play with Indiana because you said they're not going to be as talented as LSU. And I think across the board, offensively, Ole Miss is going to have tons of opportunities with speed mismatches in space that uh, Kiffin and Levy have – been able to exploit this year yeah just briefly zach you mentioned you know some of the younger receivers and and the need for them to step up in this game it's not that that receiver room we don't have a bunch of bums in there like these kids were highly sought after they just you know in some Mm -hmm. cases haven't we haven't needed them so they haven't been given the opportunity to step up and and show what they've got but i think now is the time for mingo to break out of his shell a little more for us to get another kentucky-like performance out of him and for Mm -hmm. annis and Jaden jackson to show us what they what they are What, what, what do we have there i think for them this could be an audition you know for a spot next season um so I, I certainly think the talent is there it's just time for them to rise to the occasion and um we don't look we don't have anybody else so the, these are all the guys we've got yeah. Moore's not walking through the door your is not walking through the door um we're gonna have to play with uh with what we've got and uh i i think again and i think maybe nick mentioned this in terms of talent uh, talent from top to bottom our offensive skill talent is every bit as talented as Indiana's, if not more so. I mean, Freifogel's had a really good career at Indiana. But if we had wanted Freifogel at Ole Miss, we could have had him. So uh, it's not as though their skill players are, are just um, head and shoulders better than ours. That's, that's not the case at all. So I think we need to maximize that advantage. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing what the young guys have to offer. All right. Uh, we're going to take our quick break. And then when we come back on the other side – We will begin our journey into picks territory. We're going to try to make y'all some money. Um, As of right now, uh, per winning percentage, I'm still in the lead. Austin is tied with me with with wins. Um, But we're going to have our picks. Uh, Ben, who is unable to join today, has given us his uh, locks for the remaining bowl games. So hang tight. We'll be right back after this break from... Uh, a word from our sponsors, and we'll get you those locks. So, BRB. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. 
Celebrate with the best protein for your almost Grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, Inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. Back here on Podcast Rebellion, the Legal Gambling Council segment has begun. Nicholas, you know the drill. Let's go ahead and jump right into these remaining bowl games to try to make some money. All right. Well, there's not a not a ton left on the slate. I think we've got – I counted 14 earlier, but then I, I realized it was constant Wake Forest are playing as we speak. So we'll go ahead and see um, – I guess we'll start off with a couple SEC games. And then we'll do – I guess we can talk about the college football playoff. And there might be a lock or two in these as we're going. Oh, yeah. So we'll go ahead and go with uh, 
Well, Arkansas TCU is not playing. So we'll start with uh, Florida, Oklahoma tonight, in case y'all are listening to this. Mm. Uh, Florida yeah. is, no, excuse me, Oklahoma is a seven and a half point favorite, uh, over yeah. under pretty high, 64 and a half. Is the wrong team favored in this game? I'm yeah, confused but, by this. Let one. me just jump in here and say that's a 10 point line move. 10 points. Florida open what minus happened? three. They had, they had some opt outs. I know they had some opt-outs, but I, no, I are they bank- Yeah, I mean, are they banking on a hangover from the SEC title game? I, I don't know. This one, I've gone back and forth on this one, honestly, because, you know, what's the motivation going to be? Um, it is an access bowl. I'm sure Florida's bummed with the performance they put on in Atlanta because that was a hell of a game. Um, I mean, Kyle Trask is playing. I still like Florida here. Oklahoma they just never seem to be able to put it together. And look, the, the bugaboo for the Sooners over the last five or six years, they just can't stop anyone. Mm-hmm. Florida has been able to score on everybody. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, head scratcher against A&M, Kyle Trask was in the Heisman conversation all season long. I know Kadarius Tony, he opted out, correct? He's out. That's right. Um, and then Kyle Pitts is not playing, but I mean, they have talent and I, I feel pretty comfortable and thinking that Dan Mullen is going to have a plan and, you know, their defense really challenged Alabama uh, in that game, which was, which was pretty surprising. I mean, we all joke about Todd Grantham and just how blitz happy he is, but they were able to, to really challenge Alabama off the edge and, you know, Spencer Rattler is still pretty young. Uh, I, I think that Florida gets the better of them, defensively and then Trask does just enough with the talent that he has at his disposal. I like the Gators in this one. Is Kadarius Tony he's he's not playing the game either? Pretty sure he's out. Yeah, I think he's out. And then Kyle Pitts is out. So that's right. I mean that's a lot lost, but there is still some pretty good receivers, Justin Shorter, Jacob Copeland. It's essentially the equivalent of Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa. I mean Pitts is way better than Yaboa, <laughs> but you get it. Like what? two 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 at the same position that right. are very, very good. But they've played this year without Kyle Pitts. I mean, they have a little bit of an idea of what of what to do without Kyle Pitts. Now, in that game, it was go to Trevon Grimes about 10 times. But I don't know. Florida, they, like you said, they score against everyone. They didn't have a ton to play for against Alabama, and they came out and played good. Now they had, you know, all their players. But, uh, you know, if Kyle Trask is playing, Kyle Trask is going to hit somebody. Oklahoma's defense a little bit better, I guess, than in years past, and Florida's defense is down a little bit. But – I don't know. That's a big line difference. I mean, you're getting a full touchdown in this game. I'd I'd probably pick Florida. I don't think I'm going to lock it in, though. Yeah, it's just so hard to know where Florida's collective heads are at after, you know, their best players have opted out. I know Trask is still playing, but he's down major weapons in Tony and Pitts. Uh, At the same time, I don't know how you could trust Oklahoma to lay a touchdown to an upper-tier SEC team. Mm -hmm. As Nick mentioned, Florida's still got plenty of talent on the roster. We don't don't know these guys' names necessarily yet, but they're almost certainly blue-chip players, players that were recruited by programs like Oklahoma and chose to go to Florida. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think it's – I don't think it's crazy to suggest that maybe Florida, Florida, some of their backups might have started at Oklahoma at these skill positions because this year Oklahoma didn't really have that standout receiver or running back like they've had in the past. Now, I like Spencer Rattler a lot, 
And I think that Lincoln Riley and company will want to build momentum, you know, through the offseason because next year should be a pretty big year for them with virtually everybody returning on that Oklahoma side. But there's no way I could lay a touchdown or over. Um, I have real interest and may even lock in, depending on the number here, Nick. What is the total? I think didn't he say it was six sixty? I think I can get a sixty-four. Oh, I'm sorry. I've, I've been talking over here. I'm on mute. I was like, I was like, did I guess no one heard me? Six, uh, six, sixty-four and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna lock in. I, I'm gonna lock in over sixty-four and a half. I, I just trust Dan Mullen and Florida's offense yeah. to get into the thirties against a Big Twelve defense. And if Oklahoma is going to be competitive, which the line tells us they're, you know, Vegas expects them not only to be competitive but to to win the game. Yeah pretty comfortably by a TD there. I think both teams get comfortably into the thirties, which spells for an over of 64 and a half, uh, hopefully pretty easily. So let's, let's call it like 42, 38, somebody. Yeah, that's a good segue there, Austin. Cause I was going to point out that per SP plus, this is the third ranked offense going against the sixth ranked offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wild. I just noticed Oklahoma quietly a top 20 SP plus defense. So they definitely um, improved over the back half of the, the the part of the season. They did. They got better. And, yeah. and Grinch was how they thought of going in, right? He's their defensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah he was, ab- a, he was a wazoo there when they were, uh, or Washington, whenever they won a couple uh big 12 titles. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think they're going to just get run over by Florida, but I, look, as I said, I trust Florida skill talent. I trust Dan Mullen to put points on the board. So I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath at all. And Oklahoma may win outright. I just think Florida can get into the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. We watched yeah. last night that Texas, the Texas Colorado game when teams don't really care on defense, it gets out of hand quickly in terms yeah. of points scored. I mean, they, they will really get going. So I think that happens here. Uh, all right. The next SEC game, and again, there's only a couple left out there after uh, Tennessee's uh, COVIDed out of a bowl game. Arkansas is out of a bowl game. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a, a rough year for SEC teams. But uh, the, I guess it's the first responders bowl or the, the Armed Forces Bowl. Is that right for Mississippi State? Armed Forces, yeah. Yeah, Armed Forces Bowl. All right. Line opened at Tulsa minus one. And it seems to have moved on some books to a pick them. I think you can still get Tulsa minus one and a half over under uh, all the way down to 45 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and lock this one in. Damn I, it. The, I mean, we know you can, you can hop on. We can have some lock unity here because Tulsa's okay, okay. Tulsa's defense is far too good. They're going to have had two plus or, you know, two right at two weeks to look at this MSU offense. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like a talent thing when it comes to playing against Leach as a, offense i think it's a scheme thing and i think that tulsa's had long enough i mean y'all watched it Ole miss kind of shut them down a little bit so you know compared to at least other oh so you're locking in the hurricane yeah i'm locking in the golden hurricane i I think are you going the under here or you want msu i'm gonna lock in uh, msu here oh my gosh tell me why So, you know, this is kind of this is kind of similar to what Indiana does defensively, and I've always said this about Leach and his offense. Um, and we saw it firsthand in the Egg Bowl. It was just a matter of just three yards here, three yards here, four yards here, four yards here, six yards. So they they lull you to sleep 
with those mesh routes, with the crossing routes, and they just dink and dunk and dink and dunk and dink and dunk. And Leach has always just kind of – his offense has always just pre- – it's just been something that they prey on people when they just get frustrated and they're just like, fuck, like we're just going to blitz him. We're just going to blitz him. And then they catch you behind a blitz for a big gainer. And I think that that's just what they're going to do. You know, he's not great, but Will Rogers seems to have a grasp of the offense. And, I mean, I thought that um, – uh, I, I can't – I get the two brothers mixed up, but Wally, the receiver, is it Jaden Wally? I think it's Jaden that's there. Um, whichever Wally brother is 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 in Starkville playing receiver, he, 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 he can get behind the defense and create – some some uh some matchup there with with his speed and, and getting open and I don't know I just feel like State's going to be much more physical. Uh, Zach Arnett's done a nice job in his first year with that defense. I mean they've got some players over there. Um, I mean Emmanuel Forbes has been really really good this year as a true freshman. Um, you know Errol Thompson playing linebacker, playing strong side defensive end. Whatever he does, he makes some plays. I, I just feel like this is a weird ugly game that Mississippi State eventually just closes out Tulsa wins like a 31-26 game I I just kind of trust Leach to stay the course and and not freak out with his offense and I think Tulsa is just going to get a little frustrated and start trying to blitz the freshman quarterback and he'll be able to to find guys open and and I, I like State to win a close one here all right so supporting Nick's point about the uh the under <laughs> So tomorrow the forecast in Fort Worth is one hundred percent chance of rain, high of forty one degrees, with <laughs> seventeen mile per hour winds. So. All right, let me jump in real quick. If you if one team comes out and looks cold and dreary and like they don't want to be there, is it the team from the plains of Oklahoma or is it the team from deep south in Mississippi? Yeah, I, I would be a little concerned too. I mean, I know it's a dink and dunk offense, and I know you know if you're not taking downfield shots, the wind doesn't necessarily factor in as heavily as it would um, otherwise. But state is so reliant on the pass; those winds, that weather, things could get a little dicey there. And Tulsa's been just a sneaky good defense all season. Now, to Zach's point, so has Mississippi State. I don't think their defense has really, frankly, gotten enough credit. But Tulsa's defense has held strong against uh, not only in-conference foes and really good in-conference foes like Cincinnati and UCF, but also against an in-conference opponent that runs the air raid. So Tulsa played SMU earlier this year and held them to 24 points and a win. Um I expect them to do similar to State, but if you told me that State's defense, you know, shut down Tulsa or at least kept them under four touchdowns, I, you know, I wouldn't think that you were crazy. Um, from a motivation standpoint, which is – and it's hard to try to discern, but it's always important in bowl games and especially during this season. you got to think Tulsa wants to be there more than Mississippi State, and you have to think that they're more fired up to play a Power 5 SEC opponent than State is to go out there in the cold and play Tulsa. So I think motivation is decidedly in Tulsa's favor. They're a pretty good, pretty good team on defense. Offensively, they're, they're, they're not great, but they're not bad either. I don't know. I like Nick's under there. I'd, I'd stay away from the side completely. I guess I'm kind of hedging the unpredictability of Mississippi State. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they, they played that a, offense was they, good against Missouri. I was going to say, they played a hell of a game against, in my opinion, a really good Missouri team and kind of blew their doors off. Um, but I mean, it, Tulsa's 
Good, man. I mean, Zayvon Collins is one of the best players in the country. Um, 11 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, four picks. I mean, he kind of does it all. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't He's know. He's opted out, by the way. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now it's I feel tough. even better. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. SEC roster against a group of five roster. That old know, SEC always, biased. <laughs> yeah. Now the the weather could play a play a role here, but uh, you know, talking about the dink and dunk, I mean, that's essentially the extension of the run game for this offense. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I'll stick with it. I mean, I, I kind of like what um, what they did offensively against Missouri. So yeah, I'm not going to budge. All right, let's we'll get, we'll get to the big one. New Year's Day, one o'clock. Uh, the Citrus Bowl, Auburn, Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one is you talk about no one wants to be there nobody wants to be at this game Auburn doesn't want to be there they don't have a, I don't even I guess Kevin Steele's coaching Northwestern probably wants to be there just to simply get out of Chicago in the middle of winter but no one wants to watch Northwestern play football in this game so Northwestern is is uh, laying three and a half here the over under is I believe the lowest of bowl season right up against actually that MSU Tulsa game that was 45 and a half this one's at 43 and a half. So, I mean, a, just an NFL line here in this game. Three and a half is a point spread and 43 and a half is the, the – I'm, I'm going to go ahead and actually lock in the under here if, if y'all have anything to add to it. Whew, living you know, I, yeah, I – look, Benison's Bakery is the best in the business in Evanston. Um, top to bottom, donuts, cakes – muffins, collages, anything you can think of, they are the best. But, you know, with all of the uncertainty and the turmoil that was going on during that weird coaching search that Auburn put on, I'm going to go Tigers here. I think that this is where you see Northwestern just kind of run out of gas offensively. They're not going to be able to do enough. And I think that this is kind of a coming out party for Tank Bigsby and putting everybody on notice for next year. Um, He was – Awesome as a true freshman. Uh, reminds me a lot of Cadillac Williams, and I think that he is going to have a huge game, and Bo Nix will do just enough and will somehow justify being ranked a five-star for whatever reason. Um, I, yeah, this is a weird, low-scoring, just rock fight that I think Tank Bigsby carries Auburn uh, to a victory here. And look, it's Kevin Steele's kind of last hurrah, so I think he's going to have that defense fired up too. I, I like, I just liked what I saw from Northwestern in that Ohio State game. I mean, I as someone who oh, took yeah. Ohio State on the on the twenty one points, I believe they were laying. So I was a little bit frustrated with how good Northwestern looked. Yeah, the the offense is is pitiful. I mean, they came out and I think it was seven nothing, and then it was ten seven at one point. So I mean, and then they didn't score again. So the offense is bad. I mean, there's not a lot going once they kind of run out of juice early. But the defense is really strong. I just think that this is a game uh, – if this game's 21-20, I'd be shocked. I think it's going to be more like a 20-17 to 17 type. And that's why I think I, I, I'm taking the under here. I just think that, yeah, Bigsby's good. But that Northwestern, they'll shorten the game too. They're, you know, they'll compact it. It'll be – instead of 13 you know, offensive possessions each team, they'll be 10 or 11. So I, I really think that – and I don't know. It's been a few weeks since Auburn's played. You know, what's their motivation? Obviously, they whipped up on MSU to end the season, but I think they'd had three straight losses before that. So I don't know. It's a long year. 
how much these guys are going to want to play. They're playing for a guy that they probably like, you know, at least on defense, those guys. But I don't know how much the offense is going to be locked in. I, mean, I don't really know who who's even leading the charge over there offensively. So give me that under hard. Yeah, I like it. Potent- I mean, y- y'all potentially. Covered. Go ahead, Zach. I was, real quick, I was going to say potentially like a smashing your head against the wall type game for Auburn because as good as Bigsby is and the offensive line for Auburn is going to have their work cut out for them because Northwestern has the sixth ranked SP plus defense in the country mm-hmm. and they only allow what 15 and a half a game, something like that. Yeah. I think that's they're good. The um, so yeah, they are, so, they yeah, are good. Like, and Northwestern, I think, you know, they have an identity and they stick to it. And that's what you could say about Fitzgerald's yeah. program. Like they know exactly who they are. Their players know who they are. They are disciplined. You know, they don't make s- stupid mistakes. They don't commit stupid penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They turn you over. They grind the game out. Um, as y'all said, they're, who, who they're knows? They're just smug Iowa. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well said. Um, so I expect them to do that here against Auburn. And as Nick mentioned, you know, I think their performance against uh, Ohio State was pretty illustrative of what they're going to do here against Auburn. Ohio State's got better athletes than Auburn does, and Northwestern was able to muddy the game up enough against Ohio State to get that cover and, and actually led for, what, a half? I mean, they were mm-hmm. they hung around for, for quite a while there. Um, I'll just say this in passing, though. I think it would be absolutely hilarious if Auburn were to win like 45 to 10 just so that mm-hmm. there would be some like message board angst about whether they should have actually hired Kevin Still <laughs> instead of Brian Harson. So let's hope for just an Auburn beat down yeah. Northwestern. Oh, I wonder too. What's the, so what's the number at? Forty three and a half, and then three and a half for uh, uh, Northwestern. Excuse me. Okay. Oh, eh, I, I wonder too what like most times when you hire a new coach, that that guy's playing in a bowl game, and he's kind of. A lot of times they'll stay and they'll play in their bowl game because they feel like, you know, they owe it to the players. Yeah. And they kind of have both jobs. And, you know, for normally Boise State would be playing up in a bowl game. Well, Boise State opted out of a bowl game. So I'm curious if there's like too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen here with Brian Harson. Is he down in Auburn? I would assume he's down there trying to recruit some. You know, is he hanging around the the IPF wondering what he can do? You know, can he – you know, can you make someone some coffee? Like, is it? Yeah. I do. I, I'm I'm curious how that dynamic is right now, especially with a guy like Kevin Steele who really wanted that job and kind of probably thought he had it at one point. I'm, I don't necessarily think that's going to have an effect on the game because once you're playing, you know, you're out there playing. But I'm just curious as to how that would be. You know, since I would assume Harson is probably trying to move into Malzahn's office at this point. All right. Yeah. Um, I, we could talk about Cincinnati, Georgia. I mean, Cincinnati's catching seven points here, which I think is kind of a, a good number because, you know, you really have to be concerned about Georgia's, you know, want to be here. Uh, that over-under is 50 and a half. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm locking Georgia minus seven if nobody else Whoa. is going to so you're, you're liking JT Daniels here. I, absolutely. So look at – the offense, after Daniels took over, they've averaged 498 yards a game, 42 points a game after Daniels manned the helmet at QB. Now, the competition level is questionable, obviously. One of those Vanderbilt. Yeah. No, that game was canceled. 
well, I think Mizzou maybe is one of those. Um, so yeah, they're, they're not 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 quality competition necessarily. And Cincinnati is really salty on defense. And Luke Fickle's an incredible coach, and they've done a great job. But I just watched Tulsa not what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, virtually stalemate Cincinnati at the line of scrimmage, and Cincinnati was fortunate to win that game against Tulsa. I think Georgia's got better athletes than Tulsa, especially at that critical position in the trenches. I think Georgia's defensive line is going to be unlike anything Cincinnati has seen this season. And I think up and down the roster, Georgia is just so much better at every position, really, that on the field. I, I, Georgia's got a blue-chip roster. Cincinnati's got a roster that's been developed and managed very well by Fickle. But the talent disparity here is going to be huge. Um I don't think it's asking too much for Georgia just to get a double-digit win. I don't, I don't see a route necessarily, but I can see Georgia easily getting into the the upper thirties. I don't think Cincinnati gets out of the twenties. So let's say thirty-five twenty Georgia is a cover for me, and it's really you know Cincinnati doesn't have anything to be ashamed of with that result, and it's really same for Georgia. They have something to hang their hats on going into next season by, you know, beating a team that was undefeated going in and and on the verge of dominating them. So I don't know. I, I think the stars have aligned here for Georgia. I do wonder a little bit about some motivation um, because they're not playing in the playoff. And that was obviously what they had hoped for in the preseason. At the same time, when you're an SEC program and you see a G5 program who's undefeated and would love to be able to claim a national championship, would love to be able to to crow and thump their chest after beating you. I think Cincinnati is going to have Georgia's attention I don't see Georgia sleepwalking at all. I think that's really bad news for a Cincinnati program that doesn't have near the talent that Georgia does. If, if that's right, well, you, true, if, you, beat if, me, if, you beat me to it, Austin. I was going to lock this in. What's the total? I was going to say if, 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 that, that seems like a good candidate for the under. I think it's 50 and a half. If you think Georgia's going to win, I think it's going to oh, be no. by shutting down Cincinnati's offense, you know, playing a low score okay. and 28 20 type game. At 50 and a half, I'm locking in the over. The over. Okay. I think JT Daniels and the Georgia offense just kind of let loose and they throw the ball downfield, kind of like what they did in the second half against Mississippi State, where they finally stopped trying to run the ball and just started chunking it deep. I think they get a ton of chunk plays against Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati's defense is good. Marcus Freeman's one of the best DCs in the business, but different, different dudes, uh, very different roster they're going up against. I mean, Georgia probably has the next to best roster top to bottom blue chip ratio wise to Alabama. I just think that they're going to be able to just do whatever they want offensively against Cincinnati. And I feel like this is a weird route game that no one really saw coming. So if I told you this was the S and P plus number one versus number two defenses in the country would that, would that change your mind? No, I, I, I didn't know that. I knew, I knew that Georgia's was good, but I, I kind yeah, of forgot about knew- them since they lost to Florida. And I right, knew Cincinnati yeah, I knew, was good, but I didn't know they were second best. I didn't know I didn't know Cincy was up there. I knew Georgia was number one. Um, and again, that just kind of fuels my my lock here. I feel like Nicobe Dean and, and that bunch are gonna be really, really getting after mm. Desmond Ritter and, and Cincinnati here. I look, this is shouldn't be an indictment on Cincinnati at all. This is a tough matchup for them. Um Luke Fickle's done a phenomenal job there. So I, you can't hang your head if you lose this one. I, I just feel like this is a weird game where 
JT Daniels looks like the five star that he wa- that he was when he mm-hmm. came out of high school, and he just kind of has his way with him. Yeah, and I, look, I also think it's telling too. I know this is dangerous to read the tea leaves or whatever, but I think it's telling that Georgia didn't have any major opt outs, right? I mean, they seem to be pretty bought into right. playing this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too. It, it says a lot about what Vegas thinks about the, the these offenses to have that o- that over so high. I mean, if I told you the number one and the number two defenses were playing, you'd probably put the over in the 30s. But I think yeah. they, they like, you know, because we've got two in, in the mid-40s here and against defenses that are not nearly this good. So I think that they must like, you know, what, what they think they're going to get out of JT Daniels. But I'll just leave it and say that um, Ben is on the other side of you guys. He actually asked for Cincinnati plus seven and a half. I'm going to have to lock it in at, at Cincinnati plus seven. Uh, simply because, you know, that's the best I can get him. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so he's on the other side. I don't really know his reasoning here. I'd, I'd probably lean that way. I, I I do think that JT Daniels is pretty good, but I think it's going to be a low score. And um, maybe, well, I guess 24-17 would, would push. So we'll call it uh, 27-23, right on the number. But I think Georgia wins. So, all right, uh, the, the last two, I guess, SEC – Games remaining uh, bef- before the uh, – well, I guess the, the playoff games. Excuse me. All right, we'll go ahead. and uh, Alabama uh, opened at uh, about 18 and a half. It's, it's been bet up to Alabama minus 20, that over under 65. And if you guys aren't going to do it, I'm going to go ahead and lock in the over. Uh, I think that Alabama yeah. is – they're going to score close to 50. I've seen what the defense is, and it's kind of a defense that gets lulled to sleep by how freaking good their offense is. I mean, they almost – the offense is so good. They score 45 points in three quarters. Both the offense and the defense kind of throw it in a neutral and give up a couple touchdowns. And, yeah, I saw what Notre Dame did against Clemson, but I do think they'll be able to put up at least a few points and get me get me to that over – to that uh, 65 number. Yeah, I'm, I'm laying the points here. I feel like Alabama's on a mission for Alabama, Clemson, what, four or five, whatever 11. we're at now. Yeah, I, this is an easy three-score win for Alabama, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think and, – and, and it's kind of crazy at how good their offense is, but also not that crazy because they have the best roster in football. Um, I mean, they score something ridiculous. Nick, you might know this stat. They, they, they get like – it's something like 75% of like available yards or something, and they, they score at a – much higher clip um, than LSU's offense did last year, which was at the time labeled as the best offense ever. Um, I mean, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, probably the most formidable three-headed monster ever on an offense. Um, Yeah, I'd lay the points here. Notre Dame's a good team. Um, They're not as strong as they usually are up front defensively. Um, Still a good defense. I just think it's just going to be too much Alabama, too much speed. And Ian Book's not explosive enough to keep him in it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Zach, with Notre Dame's lack of explosiveness. This is not, you know, the Bama team from a few years back that just lined up and ran over Notre Dame in the national championship game. This Bama team is, uh, I think, (laughs) dynamic is probably an understatement. Um, This Notre Dame team is more equipped to beat that old Bama team than they are to beat this Bama team, this version 2.0 of Alabama. Uh, you need 
a nasty pass rush and corners that can hold their own um, for a second so that they don't get torched by Alabama scale guys. Notre Dame doesn't have that. They, they do have a pretty good offensive line, maybe the best offensive line in the country. I think their offensive line is, is better than Bama's, especially with uh, Bama's starting center being out. But I just – I don't know that you can play keep away from Bama as they're currently constructed. Uh, you would have to score on virtually every possession because Bama's going to do – just that probably so i think the number's really really sharp um at 19 and a half 20 you know the back door might be open can ian book and company walk through it i don't know um my gut says probably not but i think saban and company are content to get out of there with a 42 24 kind of win and uh move on to the next one all right, the last uh, game on New Year's Day, Ohio State at, uh, excuse me, Ohio State versus Clemson. Clemson is laying uh, seven and a half. You might can look around and get that line at seven even, uh, and the over under sixty six and a half. Mm. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and lock it in, and lay the points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I said that Alabama is a team on a mission, and they're going to play Clemson again. As crazy as it sounds, I think this Clemson team could really, really, really give Alabama fits. Um, I think that they're good enough to go toe to toe with them with Trevor Lawrence, and I, I don't think it's crazy to say that this Clemson team could beat this Alabama team. Um, have the fourth ranked defense in the country. Um, their offense is just as good at, at fifth. Um, Trevor Lawrence is special. He's going to get drafted probably close to number one overall. Um, he's going to play for probably the Jags or somebody that's really bad in the NFL and be uh, counted on to be a franchise quarterback. And I think that he's going to look like one against Ohio State. This is an Ohio State team that, look, they – they probably shouldn't be in the playoff, but they are. I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace with Clemson at all. Um, I think this is a route. I think that uh, that Justin Fields is going to really struggle and um, to really do anything against Clemson. I know Brent Venables is as good as anybody at putting together a plan, and uh, I, I like Clemson to just roll here and to head into the national championship game against Bama. Yeah, let me ask you guys, and now obviously you can't compare, you know, direct games, but I would think that Northwestern's defense is not going to be, uh, excuse me, more talented than Clemson. I mean, certainly I don't know about coaching, but Venables is very good. And they held Ohio State to 22 points in a game that was probably closer even than that score said, 22 to 10 in that Big Ten title game. Clemson's not scoring 22 points. They're not scoring 29 points. They're putting it in the 30s and probably the 40s. I think this is a blowout. And I, and I kind of hate that the college football playoff came along when it did because I feel like back in the you know the, the 2000s, had we had some four-team playoffs, there would have been some pretty good games. And I think you would have had some three and four seeds win. And at this point, it just is the, the number one and two teams, uh, especially in the last few years, especially when it's Alabama and Clemson, they're just so much better than the three and four teams. Uh, this is another matchup. It's a it's a mismatch. In any other year, we would have had number one Alabama versus number two Clemson in a BCS title game, and no one would be complaining. And I, and I hate that it keeps happening like this. I mean, I guess last year was different with LSU, but 
this is a, what fourth time in six years that it's probably going to be these two teams in the finals. They're just head and shoulders better. They're way better than a touchdown, better than Ohio State. And Ohio State's defense is is more than suspect, and I don't see them getting many stops on Clemson at all. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. I don't think this is the best Clemson team we've seen in recent years, but I know it's not the best Ohio State team we've seen in recent years. Uh, Ohio State has lived dangerously, even in their limited you know, garbage Big Ten schedule this year. You know, Indiana made a run and could have beaten them there at the end. As Nick mentioned, Northwestern more than held their own against Ohio State. Um, Fields is a little banged up too, maybe has an injury on his throwing hand. I just think Ohio State's defense is 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 not only not elite, I think it's just kind of average. I think in a regular season, this Ohio State team probably doesn't run the table undefeated. Um, so I think the line is weird. It gives me some pause because I, I'm with Nick. I think Clemson is two touchdowns better than Ohio State. Now, you know, I know what would happen if Vegas set the number at 14. You, they're going to have a billion dollars back in the Buckeyes. But so I get it from an exposure standpoint why you, why you can't jack it up over double digits. But I think Clemson cruises. Dabo is acting like Clemson cruises. I mean, he's talked much shit over the last week. And so um, I think Clemson rolls and, and we're, we're looking at another Bama Clemson national title. Yeah, that's weird out of Dabo. So, Dabo. so whenever he's talking that much, it makes me feel like he's. I just don't think he'd be doing it if he was all that concerned because that's how you get it thrown back in your face. I'm with you. Mm. All right. I actually have one more. So I took off uh, since I was going against y'all. I took Tulsa. I went ahead and took that off the board. I'm just going to go ahead and lay these seven and a half points with Texas A&M. North Carolina's had opt-outs galore. Uh, we know the limitations of their offense at times when they're playing maybe a better defense. I think Texas A&M's got that defense. And I just think this Texas A&M team's kind of coming along at the right time. I think they want to put a stamp on things and and maybe show, you know, the college football committee, you know, in so much as it matters, that maybe they should have had a better chance at that four spot. So give me Texas A&M here. I think they're going to lay it on big. Uh, that over under 65 and a half, I, I don't think it's going to get there. I mean, Texas A&M, you know, you, we all know they like to slow games down and kind of muck it up. But I think this is a Texas A&M – 34 North Carolina 17 type game. It's going to be comfortably under, but comfortably for Texas A&M. I agree completely. Those opt-outs for North Carolina, those are going to be really difficult to overcome. I mean, if you're an elite tier program, you've probably got some guys that are capable of stepping in and taking over those roles, but I don't think North Carolina has recruited at that level for mm-hmm. long enough right. to be able to, to replace the guys that they're losing. And I think even with those guys, by the way, it's just a bad matchup for a team like Carolina. A&M is physical, hit you in the mouth, lock you down. That doesn't, you know, Phil Longo's offense is not well equipped to 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 face off against a team like that. So I, I think the line would have been shorter and North Carolina may have had a shot at winning outright. I'm not saying they wouldn't have. I'm just saying it would have been a trickier matchup even if they were healthy or and had their 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 full allotment of skilled players. Without those guys, I think this thing gets lopsided quickly. Mm-hmm. Um the only thing that may save North Carolina is Jimbo's insistence on running like 14 plays a game and calling it quits. But as Nick said, the motivation is completely with A&M to prove that they should have been that fourth team. Um, although I think that's questionable. I think maybe Jimbo and A&M will, will want to send a message. Yeah. All right, Austin, you got one more lock for us? Yep. Lock in uh, West Virginia minus seven against Army in the Liberty Bowl. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so West Virginia's defense has been pretty good all season. Actually, their offense is is kind of underperformed under Neil Brown, but I don't think this is going to be a shootout with Army anyway. So first one to twenty four wins, let's call it. I, you know, I, the 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 tricky thing about option offenses are that you know week to week you don't have really enough preparation to 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 get ready for them and and you don't often encounter them. So it's a difficult matchup for you, but with a week to prepare for, or maybe even longer than that. Now a power five team with a competent defense, which West Virginia certainly has usually can slow down the triple option offense. I think that happens here. Army hasn't been, Army's never explosive, but, but even by their standards, they've been, they've kind of underperformed this year offensively. Um, and just as a side note here, West Virginia's defensive coordinator is Les Kenning, who was a defensive coordinator at Troy with Neil Brown. They faced Georgia Southern, who runs the triple every year when they were at Troy. So, again, I just think um, I think the defensive coordinator is going to be prepared. I think West Virginia is the better team top to bottom, and seven is not asking too much at all. Yeah, and, and the one thing about Army's offense, and, and when, when it's bogged down – it's really bogged down. Like for Ole Miss, for example, if the passing game's not working, you can just go to the run game. And if the run game's not working, you can maybe go to the screens or something. Try something a little bit different. There is no other gear Army has. I mean, they throw it, you know, the, the crock pot's on, and if it's not working, they're they're doing nothing. And you saw it against what they did against both Navy and Air Force. I mean, yeah. the, those defenses knew what they were playing, and they slowed it down. Army, when when their offense is in trouble, it's in big trouble. And this is a pretty good West Virginia defense. I like this pick a lot. All right. So we got them all. We are locked in. So it's a pretty uh, pretty good slate of bowl games remaining. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Not a lot to do. Just kind of hunker down, stay at home, crack open some some cold beers, maybe a bottle of red. Uh, you know, maybe some Corona Reds. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Uh, all right. So running through here, our locks we've got, and we had to double up a bit because we were limited. Uh, so we've got Mississippi State plus one and a half, Cincinnati Georgia over fifty and a half, Clemson minus seven and a half, Auburn Northwestern under forty three and a half, Mississippi. Do we have Mississippi State twice? Uh, on yeah. Here? Well, yeah, I got. Okay. Ben Ben was unable oh, to, that's right, to add that's right. on to it, so we'll just have 11. That's fine. Um, so we do have uh, State on there again. Cincinnati plus 7. A&M minus 7.5. Northwestern Auburn under 43.5. Notre Dame, Alabama over 65.5. Oklahoma, Florida over 64.5. Georgia minus 7. And uh, West Virginia minus 7. So, yeah, a couple doubled up there, but you kind of have to deal with it this week because we didn't have a lot to choose from. And – uh, our good boy Ben was not here. So, uh, but that's it. That's 12. Uh, as we barrel into uh, this uh, final couple weeks of the season, we are in the uh, in the red for the first time ever by one game. So let's uh, let's get back. It's the last ride. We got to finish strong. All right. Um, anything else before we uh, before we head out? No, enjoy the bowl games because, uh, you know, we didn't think we were going to get them this year. And, um, you know, it, it, they're nice to have them in the background, if nothing else. And no matter – even if they've been a little lopsided thus far. Yeah. Um, let's see. Right now we've got Wisconsin 35, Wake Forest 21. 
little under 10 minutes to go in this one. It's been a good one. A lot of, uh, a lot of big things happening in, uh, in Charlotte at the, uh, Duke's Mayo bowl. I would love to get one of those patches they have on the Jersey. I haven't seen them. The Duke's Mayo patch. It looks pretty sick. So, uh, but that's going to do it for podcast rebellion, legal gambling council. Um, like I said, at the top, Apologies for the tardiness, no internet. We had some issues, but we're back now. We'll be uh, back to somewhat of a regular schedule next week. We'll uh, we'll talk national championship, and uh, we'll uh, continue to uh, begrudgingly watch basketball and talk about that. So thanks to Austin, thanks to Nick, and thanks to Ben from uh, way over there giving us his locks. But uh, that's going to do it. Like I said, stay safe, enjoy the bowl games, but uh, we are out.